This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are discussing the episode of ECW from February the 20th, 1996. Nate Maxson, your host here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello, everybody. And we hope everybody had a nice turkey day. We took last week off, didn't have an episode. Hope everybody had a great holiday, though. I know I did. And, um, yeah, so that being said... There was something I wanted to talk about, and now I fucking forgot what it was. Uh-huh. It was actually something about modern wrestling. We'll get to it if we get to it. Um, okay. Yeah, like I like I said, uh, I, I totally, I totally blanked on it before we started recording. We had to, you know, we had a conversation, and I think in the midst of our conversation, talking about comedians, I forgot what I wanted to say about wrestling, but that's it. Oh, that was what it was. It was kind of a discussion you and I were having um, a couple of days ago. The Survivor Series was a really good pay-per-view, and it's because of a few things. And I know you you brought up one in particular. But for me, it was, first of all, I really enjoyed it because it was, there were good matches, there were good surprises, and it was under three hours long. It was like an old school wrestling pay per view. Yeah, and I think it's part of the it's part of the trend of what you're gonna see. You're gonna see going back to what worked. You know, it's and, it's not gonna be a company anymore where it's one guy's decision. It's it's gonna be what I know we're profitable, but it's not just about profits. It's also gonna be about ratings and. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can definitely see. As time goes on, the fact that Vince's hand isn't in the creative pretty much at all now, it's it's pretty much Hunter. Because one of my favorite things about the weekend was I like, because and Hunter's really good at this. He always has been. And now that he's putting his stamp on things, I think that it's going to be even harder for the internet goofs to know what's real and what's not. Because like this weekend... They had the internet all worked up. Oh, Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre pissed because CM Punk showed up and blah. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. <laughs> you know, like Seth Rollins, what Seth Rollins was doing at ringside, completely kayfabe. You know, it was kayfabe. Like Seth Rollins is going to, the professional that he is, working as one of the top guys in the biggest wrestling company in the world, he's not going to act like a fucking brat like that without it being somewhat approved. You know what I mean? Like, and and it's also the wwe so it's like i don't like that guy but like okay that's fun and 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 they're like that you know it's like i might not necessarily like this guy but we're all here to fucking make money and if we're not willing to make the company money and do what they want us to do then we're not gonna be here you know what i mean and yeah this one i think that a lot of it's a lot of the people that like, are, I don't, I, be, I, I believe that Seth Rollins doesn't like CM Punk in real life. Like, I don't think they're buddies or anything I like don't, that. I well, and I don't even know but, about that because I don't even know about that because shit, anything that happened between them was a fucking decade ago. People change, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think also, someone, Rollins, I don't think someone. Well, Rollins also before the the, the the thought of CM Punk even coming back did flat out say like, I don't want that guy back here. Like him being back would be a fucking cancer, but yeah. Like how said, much of that? Like, oh, how much back? Of, how much of that was real? 
You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know. I, I'm just saying, like, like but, but, you, but you get my point. It's like, yeah. even if they really don't like each other, they're still going to fucking work together. They're still, because it's like, well, you're here to make money, and this is the fucking, this is the NFL, this is the NBA, so just shut the fuck up or we'll cut you, you know? And we have, like, we have, we have, that's the other thing, too, is they have a, they have a talent roster where literally any of those main eventers could be gone tomorrow and it would make absolutely no difference. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that they, they like have, we such have a, a deep bench. Yes, absolutely. Like they have they have as many at this point in their history, they have as many main eventers as they might have near there near to the to, to the excuse me, to at the tail end of the attitude era. You know, maybe yeah. more. And and, and uh, and you know me, I'm a, I'm, I've never been like the biggest fan of him. I, I like the guy, but like when Punk left, it wasn't like a catastrophic event for the WWE. Nah, it wasn't like, oh my god, what are we gonna do? He spent a year in AEW and he left, and it was, it was insanity. Like it's like, <laughs> well, oh that's be- my god, <laughs> that's because that's because AEW is insanity. The whole thing is fucking nuts. It's such a shit show, and I don't know. It's not my cup of tea. For those of you that like it, that's cool. You like it. That's fine. You're way too into it, but you like it and that's fine. Um somebody made a somebody made like a somebody made a meme, like a video meme. I have no idea what he was talking about, but Tony like it's a clip of Tony Khan going, and that was the day that I first time I felt that my life was in danger at a wrestling event. I was like, that's, I don't even know what he was talking about. But then he I was talking. He was talking about. He was talking about the last night CM Punk was in AEW with the oh, hostilities well, backstage. Oh, well, then they go to Vince and they're like, Vince's actual life being in jeopardy at a wrestling event. And it's that thing when Brock comes through the curtain and throws that belt right at his fucking head, <laughs> calls him a fucking bitch, you bitch, and like throws the belt at his head. And it's like you want it, I'm good at man's company. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. This is definitely an alpha male kind of company. Yes. Say say what you want to say about Vince, even old Vince. He's what 77, 78? I think 78. He'll fight a motherfucker. Yes, yes, he will. He he might lose, but he ain't gonna back down. He ain't gonna back down. He ain't gonna run away. Like he he literally fucking. He literally said pretty much like to the, it's not exact wording, but he pretty much said, I'm going to go in that locker room. And if Brett wants to hit me, he can hit me. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, but I'm not, I'm not going to fuck. I'm not going to fucking put my, my panties on and run home. This is still my fucking company. No matter whether you're pissed at me or not, this is my fucking company. And I think, and I think that's why he has that bond with Taker. And I think that's why he has that bond with with Brock, because that's that's the kind of men they are, and that's the kind of man he is. Like from a man standpoint, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say Vince McMahon's like a nice man, but he's a, he's definitely a, a man. <laughs> yeah, he's our, he he'll he'll fucking he'll fight you if he has to. He's gonna fucking run away or. Let a guy fucking eat cupcakes and bash him to his face. It's just like, yeah, it's like, you know what and, I mean? Like, yep. Well, like, like we were discussing before, the same shit's not gonna happen, wouldn't happen with Hunter either. CM Punk can just yeah. sit there and fucking Hunter's bap a, off. Hunter's like, 
Hunter's a grown ass man. He'll fucking handle his shit too if he needs to. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it's just like I said, it, it's like night and day with those companies. Yeah, and I, people can and say I what they want to say about the debt. I, I just and don't. And even, I don't. And I don't. I don't like to. I don't like to. Ask. It's funny because they just give me the opportunity to make AEW gives me the opportunity too often to m- make it sound like I'm shitting on them and I'm not shitting on them. But the the long and the short of it is it really is a shit show and it's like child's play and it's not run like a business. And it's just I don't know. It's just so I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say other than, and again, I'm not trying to shit on the place, but they just give you so much fucking ammo. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the show, the show is so frantic and they tell stories in two weeks that you could tell over a period of a year. And I don't know. Nobody, nobody means anything because they're all in groups. You know what I mean? Like why mm-hmm. MJF shouldn't be in a group. Yeah. He's a prick. Yeah. You know, like his chemic supposed to be that he's a prick. He shouldn't be in a group and shouldn't be having friends and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. unless the uh, unless he's friends with the other biggest jerks on the show, or like when Roddy they had Piper him, or, or when or when Piper they had him, when they had him with a heavy like Wardlow, that's fine. Yeah, like Piper worked when he was with Orndorff and Orton because Orndorff and Orton were assholes too. You know what I mean? It's like these are the the same way with Hunter and Sean. They worked because the only guys that liked Hunter and Sean were Hunter and Sean. You know what I mean? That's why that worked. And they would even give you the feeling once in a while that this, even this union is a little shaky. You know, like Orndorff might give Orndorff might give Piper a glance, you know, or something like that. Just you know, to let you know, yeah, we're all bastards, and we could probably turn on each other too. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I just, like I said, every time I've tried to watch it, it's like everybody's in a group and the commentating is not good. I just, I don't know. I just yeah, don't I'm enjoy also, it. I, I, I don't, I, don't I, really I think mean. it's, I think it's interesting that you're seeing a lot more people now going back or going from there to the Fed than going from the Fed to there. You know what I mean? And it's not, how do I want to say it? AEW got a lot of guys that the WWE was not even trying to keep. Like they'll release a guy and then the AEW will hire him. They're taking people that AEW actually wants, like Punk and Cargill. And I, I, I would assume they had something in line for eventually for Brian Pillman Jr. You know, it's like they're, they're, they're losing. They're losing stars, and and then they just get some fucking cast off that nobody wants. And I'm not saying, and let me say, it, oh. I'm not saying that Edge is a cast off or whatever, but you get what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and not to mention the. Uh, all right, I'm gonna stop shitting on that. I was just gonna say, not to mention sometimes they'll run down the lineup for their shows, and I won't know who half the people are because of the way they book. They just bring some guy in from the indies and don't give you any kind of introduction to him or anything. All of a sudden, he's just on the show. It's like he walked through through the door, and here he is. Who the fuck is he? Who is he? (laughs) I see that he's skinny and kind of looks like a Q-tip, but I don't know who he is. It's like, how do you not know who Mark Bootyfuck is? He's like the biggest star 
in in three X P F E Z W. Just like one more thing, one more thing I'll say, and then we'll get into ECW. I'm going to use as a prime example why AEW's booking stinks. All right, if you have you have you have say the one two three kid, and he he upsets Razor Ramon on Monday Night Raw. That was a big fucking deal. And it shot the one, two, three kid up. He became a top tier performer. He became a somebody. He was involved in storylines, et cetera, et cetera. Right? They did that thing with that action Andretti guy with Jericho where he like upset Jericho and beat him. I don't even know what the fuck's going on with that guy. Shouldn't beating Chris Jericho instantly put a fucking rock? I mean, if Jericho's as big a star as you're presenting him to be, shouldn't being kind of a nobody and beating Chris Jericho put a fucking rocket on you? Nah, didn't. And I'm not saying WWE isn't guilty of it because it happened with, with Fandango. But I'm just saying it's it's more likely to happen in AEW. <laughs> and And I'm not even saying they don't have talented guys over there you know what i mean because they do and like that garcia guy he's great it's first name dan what's the daniel garcia i've seen him work he's when he's not doing goofball shit he's he's a fucking worker and that uh that max caster guy he's a fucking charisma bonanza like when he finally figures it out and goes over to vince or goes over to the wwe He'll be what they wanted to get out of Enzo because he can actually fucking work too. But mm-hmm. it's just, I think that company's just treading water. And I'm not saying they're going to be out of business in fucking five or 10 years, but I don't think they're going to have a TV. I don't think they're going to have a network. I don't yeah. think anyway. But yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it, it's, the, it's the story of the past, what, 20, Two years since WCW went out of business, it's always somebody's going to take somebody's going to take out the WWE, and it never happens. Twenty, thirty years from now, two other kids are going to be doing the reliving the elite (laughs) podcast or whatever the next thing is, and it'll be them bitching about or making fun of old AEW. But anyway. Well, like I said, February 20th, 1996 episode of ECW, we open up with Sandman with his new his new squeeze, Missy Hyatt. And of course, they're doing the the making the big stick explode gimmick <laughs> here. And I mean, it's ECW, it's 1996, it's Missy Hyatt and the Sandman. It's pretty much what you expect. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to complain about the 93 through 96 Missy Hyatt being on my TV. That's when she was her hottest. But that's setting up uh, um, the beginning of the show. And then we go to footage from a six-man tag team match. It is the Dirt Bike Kid, Donnie Allen, and Dino Sendoff. And I forget what the Dirt Bike Kid wrestled as the last time. Um Shark Attack Kid. Shark, yes, Shark Attack Kid. And I thought it was Dirt Bike Kid when we were talking about it, but yeah, I was right. The Dirt Bike Kid is here along with Donnie Allen and Dino Sendoff, and their opponents are Bad Crew, and they just call him Dread here on ECW. But if you ever looked, if you back in the day, if you ever looked at the old PWI 500s, this guy, Judge Dread, 
would always be somewhere down there in the 400s in the PWI 500, and that's who this was teaming with the bad crew in the six man. Just a big fat slob. Yeah, a big the whole team's big. He's one of those guys that's a big fat tall guy. Like he's big fat and tall. <laughs> yeah, and he's not even like um. Say what you want to say about nine one one, but nine one one was at least like you know, like like jacked. You know, like I'm not saying he was like muscular, but he didn't. He wasn't shaped like a pear. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. like dread is shaped like a Bartlett pear, and he sucks, and he has like no definition. Yeah, I was gonna say that he's you trying. Can be... he's, he's trying. Oh god, you can be big like nine one one. Or even even to a certain extent, say Ron Reese, you can be big like one of those guys and have some sort of sh- some sort of of build, and it looks intimidating. But a guy like this dread guy, when you're big, tall, and like Aaron said, pear shaped, you don't look intimidating. You just look sloppy. Yeah, like look at this um, big sloppy this big sloppy fuck up in the ring. <laughs> I can't remember who was talking about it, but he talked about Ron Reese and they said he was like a nice guy and everything, but everybody in WCW called him Rex. Cause he was like super big, but he had like, they're like, you're like a big, huge man, but you have like normal people arms. <laughs> it's like, like your arms are like little people arms, but your body's like huge. They'd be like, what's up Rex. And now that, now that you say that, I see it in my head. I'm like, yeah, they're right. Oh, yeah. You got normal people arms. <laughs> well, the bad crew and Judge Dredd win this six-man tag match, but their real purpose was to uh, to let <laughs> to let Sandman come out to the ring and cane them. So that's what happens with those guys. And you always know when you see this kind of a match on an ECW show that it's not just going to be the match. When you see, yeah, it used, you to, see, it used to be, it used to, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. So it was always the opening match, and it was usually the 911 spot, but 911's gone now. So now it's either going to be a toss up of you're either going to get, you're either going to get Sandman, Taz, or down the line, maybe New Jack to just come out and whip the shit out of somebody. Well, then we get a, one of those, I guess you want to call it one of those. Stuck in your mind, seminal moments in the history of ECW. Um, it's one of the ones that you, if you see WWE do something on ECW, like a documentary or something, they're always going to include it. It's one of those things that always sticks out in your mind. It is the first appearance of Brian Pillman in the ECW arena. Joey Styles is in the ring, the lights go out, and they come back on, and there is Brian fucking Pillman in the ECW. And before we start talking about this, yeah, I'm going to let you go and and roll. But what I do want to say is before we start talking about this, this is Pillman at his best. Well, yeah, because like um, WCW let him go crazy and Vince let him go a little crazy, but nobody was going to let him go as crazy as he was going to be able to do in the ECW. And um, I, I think Eric, excuse me, I think Eric Bischoff doesn't think he's 
kidding himself, but I think he's kidding himself when he says like this was all a big plan for Brian to come back to WCW. No, I was just about to say Brian Pillman. It was Brian's big plan to get to the fucking WWE. Yes, Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman worked Eric Bischoff into quote he he worked Eric Bischoff by saying let's work the boys. So Eric Bischoff, along with Pillman, worked the boys, but the whole time Pillman was working Eric Bischoff to get out of his yeah. contract so he could go to the WWF. Eric Bischoff can say he, what he, he wants. P- he got worked. He told Pillman, or Pillman told him, boss, the only way this is going to work is if you give me an unconditional, complete release. Like, you're so mad you don't care where I go. And I'll go to the ECW for a little bit, and then I'll come back. He was like, nope. <laughs> Peace. Like, like if he wouldn't have died, he'd still be in the WWE, I think. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he wouldn't have went. He wouldn't have went back to WCW. <laughs> Fuck that. He went out of there. He wasn't well, gonna that... go any further than he knew he wasn't gonna go any further than he was with that fucking company. Right. Hulk Hogan wasn't gonna work with Brian Pillman. You know what I mean? Probably the only guys, the only guys that wound up there that probably would have worked with him. I think, and I know this is an ECW podcast, but I think Savage would have worked with him, obviously. And I think, I honestly think, um, if he would have been there um, long enough, I think Piper would have had the itch to want to do something with him. I think. But fucking Hogan and all them guys, they weren't going to fucking do it. No. And I think he, Na- uh, Nash and Hall would have been afraid of him. But anyway, go ahead. Not, yeah, not like, saying physically. Like he would have, he would have, they wouldn't have wanted to get on the mic with Brian Pillman. Just no. Anyway, go ahead. No. He, um, he, I think that with the Bischoff thing, I was just going to say he saw, he saw the insane, insane at that time. The in, he, I think he saw the insanely large ego, and essentially what he knew in his head was there's no way that Bischoff would ever think that I wanted to leave here because it's the WCW. It's the biggest wrestling company in the world. Why would I ever want to leave? It's the number one Monday night show, blah, 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 blah. But he wanted the fuck out just like for the same reasons that you're saying right here. He knew. He knew that he was he was pretty much where he was going to be on the card, and he wasn't going to get any opportunity to move up. And all my friends are over there now too. Yeah, Steve's there. Like all the guys there. I like to hang out. Yeah, those are all the guys I like to hang out with, and and that's where I want to go. And it's like, I just like I said, I think Bischoff Bischoff believes what he believes because Pullman wasn't around long enough to like you know. Prove him wrong is what mm-hmm. I think. But into the promo, um, I don't want to monopolize this. Um, he calls Eric Bischoff Eric Jerkoff. Then he calls him a, he says that he was a glorified coffee gopher for the AWA. And then he just blatantly says, Eric Bischoff is a piece of fucking shit. And he doesn't, he doesn't even say Eric Bischoff is a, he does the thing. He's like, Eric Bischoff. Piece of fucking shit. <laughs> like, and, and I don't know, but and um, the fans are um, cheering him, 
And um, so he quickly pivots the promo. He's smart enough. He was smart enough to know that, like, I got to say something about Bischoff. But if I if I keep going that route, they're not going to boo me. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I have that written down here. He's this another reason of why this is the best of Brian Pillman, the best like some of the best of Brian Pillman is he's he like you said he was smart enough to read that room and be like oh shit I'm I'm baby face right now I need to if I'm gonna if, if I'm talking about WCW and I want to shit on somebody I need to shit on on Eric Bischoff but I'm talking about ECW I gotta shit on these motherfuckers <laughs> yeah I think he I think he was even smart enough to know that going in and I think Paul was too because Paul probably told him hey man these guys are gonna be jacked at your ear you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're gonna lose their fucking minds. And um I mean they lost their minds when he showed up when he was still flying Brian and he wasn't even the loose cannon yet. They're gonna love this fucking loose cannon character, and Paul didn't want it to be a baby face. So it's like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to cut the pro you like you could have cut a promo on Sandman and they still would have fucking cheered him, and they could have cut a promo on his, but it's like you gotta attack it them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. Well, the of course he says this is the the you know he says he's gonna whip it out and piss in the ring, and uh, Todd Gordon, Paul Heyman, and Shane Douglas come out to wrangle <laughs> wrangle Pillman from pissing in the ring, and you know they're giving him the business and everything. And then I put down here once once security gets Pillman out of the ring, he he beats up a plant. But what I put down, and I know it wasn't him. But I just thought it was, I was like, then Pillman pulls Red Tyler out of the ring and beats him up. I wrote down Carrot Top. Oh, remember that old jobber from the WWF TV shows, Red Tyler? Yeah, yeah that's what I yeah. <laughs> It looks like I thought it was Carrot Top, or he kind of had the he kind of had the same face as the fucking uh, mouth breather part of the heels from the Burbs. <laughs> Clopax or whatever is that their name yeah Clopax he looked like the mouth breeder kid from the Clopax in the face with the carrot top wig on (laughs) well after the Pillman segment which again I give I give five stars to the Pillman segment I give five stars to the Pillman segment in the time of February 20th 1996 because yeah it's and the plan was sorry I was just going to say there's a uh, there's a lot of stuff now where if you watch it from back then somebody who's a, like a fan that's a younger fan now might not think that this is as cool as it was then. You know what I mean? Like cuz I mean we've done yeah. everything now. We've fucking done everything now. <laughs> but back then it's like that. It's like that uh Bare Naked Ladies song. It's at this point it's all been done before. But back then, yeah, it's like this the Simpsons. Like the South Park where uh, Butters is trying to like do all kinds of crazy. I forget what his fucking evil character's name was, but he's trying to cause all kinds of problems. And every time he tries to come up with an evil plan, it's like the Simpsons did it. It's like, oh, <laughs> but anyway, um, um, the plant was a good plant because in the WWF, like you want to pull a guy out of the crowd or whatever, you know, the fans are or apart from each other and it's like you know organized or whatever 
I would think it would be very easy to possibly grab the wrong person in like a chaotic ECW environment. So they were like, hey, there's Jerry. He has a giant flowing mane of red hair. And like he made that guy made sure the entire time he was standing up over everybody and like flipping him off. Like I'm the guy, like I'm the one. Like it's like it would have been very easy for Pillman to grab the wrong guy and like a big cluster of people. Yeah, you know what I mean. But they were like, let's have the, let's have that fucking guy. He needs to be obvious. Too hard to, it's way too hard to miss. So the next thing we have on the show, the next thing we have on the show is Joey Styles giving us more of the narrative that Taz is the most hated man in pro wrestling, and then I wrote down here my biggest pop of the show. Bill Alfonso? Yes. Taz and, and Alfonso are cutting a promo. They're talking about Rey Mysterio, and then they go into Bam Bam Bigelow showing up, and Fonzie's like, Bam, he, once again, he just says, he doesn't say you're from the WWF, he just says you're WWF, but he goes, Bam Bam Bigelow, you're WWF, and there's nothing wrong with that. I like Vince McMahon. Vince paid 11 grand to send me to Betty Ford. But and I just I fucking popped, man. I fucking popped. He was like, I like Vince McMahon. He spent eleven grand to send me to Betty Ford. Yeah, Betty Ford. <laughs> and now I'm eating steaks and getting massage parlors every day. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, totally popped. But, that fucking that fucking Betty Ford line, man. Fuck him. I like Vince McMahon, but <laughs> he paid eleven grand to send me to Betty Ford. <laughs> and then I like that he said. I eat steaks and go to massage parlors every day. I don't know why that was funny to me. Every day. And I also (laughs) think it's funny, too, that once he hooked up with Taz and started making all that money and shit, he didn't care about, like, violence or anything anymore. Like, they've gotten rid of the whole, like, athletic athletic commission. Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck that. This is where the money's at, breaking people's necks and shit. Yeah, that that bet I wrote that Betty Fork shit down too because that was funny, and it's the way he presents it too, like just in his his Fonzie way of 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 cutting the promo. Very matter know? of fact, yes. <laughs> Not ashamed of it. Not at all. Not at all. But yeah, it was an effective promo from from uh, from Fonzie and Taz. And another, actually, another thing that I thought that I popped for was something they weren't intending to be. But it is anyway. Is the next match that we have is supposed to be, I believe, the Headhunters versus the Gangsters. Yes. And Mustafa's in the New ring, Jets. and he he cuts a promo. I love, I love that you know, like New Jack and Mustafa, both of them since they've been in ECW, both of them have had like you know a separated shoulder or a pop knee or something like that. So they've been on the shelf for a couple of weeks. Or whatever, but I love that with the the gangsters gimmick. Every time somebody's injured and can't make the show, the story is they're incarcerated. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, but it was the same thing with Mustafa a few weeks ago when he had like the injured shoulder or whatever. They didn't say he had an injured shoulder. They said Mustafa's incarcerated. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's their story. Like whenever one of them's gone, it has not. They're not injured or anything. They're just they're in jail again. Yes. It's fun. <laughs> but then we get Mustafa versus Damian Kane. And it is yes. what it is. Um well then yes, yeah, so the headhunters then come in and uh I think at this point Damian Kane is their manager. 
if I yes. remember correctly from last week. So they come in and attack Mustafa. Joey Styles says that uh, Tommy Dreamer has invited some old friends to return to ECW. And that's when we get the Bruise Brothers versus the Headhunters. The Bruise Brothers, Ron and Don Harris, or as I like to call them, Ron and Don Bruise, <laughs> are back in ECW. And, and it's just the ECW. It's an ECW walking bra. It wasn't anything bad. Yeah. And um, they are, um, I don't want to say it, like, it, they're, they're kind of like Mr. Hughes. And I'm going to say this, if it's going to sound weird, but it's like Paul's the only guy that was able to get these guys over with me. Like when Curtis Hughes was in like WWF or WCW, I didn't care. And when the Bruce brothers were in WWF or WCW, I didn't care. But then when they were here, I'm like, yeah, this is, I like them here. You know what I mean? Yeah. But other when they're anywhere else, I'm just like, meh. Got no time for it. Yeah, probably the only time in WCW or WWF that Hughes worked for me wasn't even when he was a wrestler. It was when he I liked the little thing with, with him being Luger's bodyguard along with Harley Race as the manager. But other than that, yeah, yeah I but agree he was just a you. package and that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. He was him and him and Hughes and these guys are most effective when they're in, in ECW. Um there's a double pin deal for this one where one of the Bruise Brothers is pinning one of the headhunters and vice versa. And the referee sees the Bruise Brother get the pin, so that's who gets the win. The Bruise <laughs> Brothers beat the headhunters. I like the headhunters. I do too. There's nothing like they don't do anything, but they they're like they're like Abby's kids. Yeah. Like they <laughs> like I said, they don't they don't really do anything, but they don't do it, but the little bit that they do isn't bad. You know? Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're a team that like, you know, you'd want to you'd want around for like years and years and years, but they're like a come or bring them in for a couple months, get them out, bring them in for a couple months, get them out. Because eventually it's just going to get stale. Right. But having around and leaving them and letting them be them for a little bit. I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I got no beef with them. The Well, the thing that always got me about them back in the day, like why I was intrigued by them back in the day was probably the, the reason the reason that I was intrigued as a smaller child. The, fir the first time I remember the first time I ever as a kid saw Abdullah the Butcher on TV because I mean we lived in Ohio we didn't get world class back in the 80s but we did have cable and we did have TBS and I remember the I remember the first time I ever saw Abdullah the Butcher in my life I was he was no good he fucking stunk in the ring but it didn't matter he was so intriguing like he's got there's nobody else that looks like this guy. There's nobody else that acts like this guy. I was just a little dude with my jaw on the floor looking at this, whatever the fuck this man is. And that's kind of how I feel about the headhunters is they just have a unique look, you know, like nobody has ever looked yeah. or been like them since, you know. And Ab Abby didn't do anything really, but it's what he did between not doing anything that made him good. Yeah. Like he would walk chaotic. You know what I mean? Like, like he'd almost walk. How do I say? Like 
if it, if it was a straight line that he was supposed to walk, he'd walk a figure eight to do it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like he just, just, just like I'm not saying he walked in figure eights, but it was like he he was just or just like shit. Himself, like he presented when, himself as being insane. Yeah, like when Gary Hart would be cutting a promo and he'd just take the little foam thing off the microphone and start eating it. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. The next match on the show is Stevie Richards and the Eliminators versus the Pitbulls and Francine in a dog collar match. And I do not have a lot of notes on this because it was another one of those matches where it was just hard to take notes on. Yeah, it was a big like, brawl. And when you have a good when you have a good technical wrestling match, it's easier to take notes because it's not as frantic. You're not afraid to look away from the screen for 13 seconds because you're gonna miss something. Because there's nothing I hate worse. I really do. I hate when I sit down to watch the show or do a review on it. I hate whenever I have to rewind it for it. I hate that. Like, I just, I want to watch the show and be fucking done with it. And like, I hate when I'm like, ah, I fucking missed something. And then I got to go back and see what did I miss. But anyway, um, what I did write down um stevie gets a couple of kicks in front of francine in this match um i wrote down man francine's a trooper because she's getting in there with these guys and i know they're taking care of her and everything but you know for for somebody her size and shit i'm sure that you know it's like i don't know if i want to say intimidating it's got to be intimidating and this isn't even being sexist but it's you know you're getting in the ring with all these big beefy fuckers and they got there's chains and fucking all this shit going on God bless her. But and, and and but they did do well with her though because like they made sure the bumps that she took like were obviously gonna be safe or whatever. But when the when the super crazy shit was going on, she was out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she's just laid out. So it's like, all right, yeah. we're gonna take her out of the match and um and she was a trained worker. Like she 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 trained to wrestle. So I mean she knew how to bump and everything, but it just I don't think she gets. I don't think she gets enough credit in the business. Oh no, she doesn't get near enough. Being credit. a she female get, in it, no, she, and she she doesn't she doesn't get near. No, not at all. Like I, I and, will totally. Vince agree didn't like her. That. For one, Vince didn't like her when she got there. Like, um, Tommy got her hired. And did you ever hear this? What Vince told I, Tommy? I don't think so. Tommy got her hired when they did the whole ECW thing and they were going to bring it back. And she was there for like a cup of coffee. And when she showed up and like Tommy introduced her to Vince and then like she walked away and went and did her thing. Tommy said, Vince looked at her, looked at him and goes, why would you hire somebody that looks like that? <laughs> okay. Walked away. It's like, all right, I guess. So like, since Vince didn't think she was attractive, she, it's like, that was it for her. She wasn't gonna. She wasn't gonna be there that long, and they weren't gonna do anything with her. And they really didn't. And it was a misstep. I guess. I, I guess they. I guess you're right. They really didn't, because to be perfectly honest with you, I forgot she ever even made it. I forgot she ever. Well, even she made, made it. And they didn't. They didn't do shit with her. And I'm not saying she was like Sherry. I'm not saying she was on like Sherry Martell level. I bet Francie wouldn't say she was on Sherry Martell level, but she was she was close, in my opinion. She was great in any role she ever did. She acted the part. She looked the part. You know, she was 
She was she was physical when she had to be physical. She was great at playing the bitch. When she gets to be gets into being Shane's number one cheerleader, she was so those two were so good together, and she was so great in that role. And she looks good. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand. I, I just, you're right. She doesn't get talked about enough. Um, as far as you know, especially for I guess I'd say the '90s era of pro wrestling and females in it. But it is what it is. Yeah, there's plenty of females that they talk about now. It's like he didn't have half the fucking talent that Francine had, in my opinion. But. Mm-hmm. Um, in- including Beulah, and that's not hating on Beulah, but yeah. but yeah, this match. Do you have any notes on the match that you wanted to run through? Um, just like I, I said, it was I, an ECW. I pretty, I pretty much was, just had it was an ECW. It was just an ECW brawl, and I didn't like the. I like the super bomb, but I thought the super bomb into the neck breaker thing was stupid. I was like, I don't like that move. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. It looks clunky. So that's a clunky looking move and doesn't look believable to me. But anyway, it's wrestling, so I mean I don't want to get too into the weeds on that. <laughs> well, the um Excuse me, the the end comes where I think Stevie eats a super bomb and then Francine pins Stevie to win the match. But the Eliminators hit a total elimination on Pitbull number two. They hit a total elimination on Pitbull number one. And then they hit a total elimination on Francine. And then they cut a promo. And I just wrote Eliminators promo, so they must not have said anything that stuck out, stuck out to me. It was just, they said you can keep your... Um, um, they talked about taking out Francine and they said you can keep your collars because we like our belts better. But the the cool and and Cronus didn't say anything, he just kind of hooed a little bit in the back. But what what was what made it cool was like, you know, like, like when most guys are going to cut a promo about. And we took Francine and we gave her, we totally eliminated her. And you can keep your collars because we'll take up because we like our belts better. Like, you know, like somebody would say that they'd look like intimidating in the camera. What Perry did was cool because he smiled the whole time. <laughs> like, it was like, this is the only time that Saturn's happy. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's got a grin on his face when he's like, and then we beat up your girl. You yeah, I was gonna say. And then we we'll take yeah, we, <laughs> We're really like, happy. happy. We're really, we're really happy because we creamed the bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like usually he's like, mm, like snarling or whatever. But at this point, I'm very happy. I'm satisfied with our day at work. <laughs> like we accomplished so much today, and I just, I, he's a dude too that I don't think gets enough, <laughs> and and. It's he went off the fucking rails in his personal life, so that's part of it. But he was so fucking good, I think. Yeah, he definitely definitely was, and you're right. He doesn't get enough credit. He doesn't get enough credit for uh, for as good as he was either. He is like if you look at um, if you look at well, I mean, even in this era, but going to WCW and then the WWF, you put him in the ring. You put him in the ring. With a guy like, I'm just going to use this as an example. You put Saturn in the ring with Dean Malenko. You know, you can say a lot of times with a lot of different wrestlers, and this isn't hating on them, it's just the way it is. If somebody's in the ring with Dean Malenko, <coughs> you can be like, ah, Dean Malenko might have helped that chap to have a really good match there. 
But if Saturn's in the ring with Dimalenko, I don't feel like that. I feel like, you know, Saturn's right there with him, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and one of my favorite Saturn stories is he did a thing. Well, he was he was cutting a, a like an interview, a promo. And it's funny because like um I don't, you're not like the bit you're not as big of a WCW guy as I am, but remember like '99 when they put like him and Raven together for a little bit before Raven yeah. left. Yeah, I'm I'm watching WCW '99 right now, so yes, I I do. Uh, I've well, seen this. Uh, I've seen this fresh. <laughs> so Eric didn't want those guys to get pinned. Like he wanted that team to not <laughs> get pinned for a certain amount of time. And he said they were at one of those like Club Legero or whatever fucking spring break shows or whatever. And he got the script and he was like reading it and he like went to Terry Taylor and he's like, because I guess Eric wasn't there. He was like, uh, boss said we're not supposed to get pinned and you got us getting pinned here. And Terry was like, well, he never told me that. And Paul and Perry's like, I wouldn't lie to you about it. Like, it's it's a thing. We're not supposed to get pinned. He wants us to he wants to keep us strong. Like I think he was thinking of putting the belts on him or something. You know, mm-hmm. so he wants to keep us strong. And Terry Taylor was like, "Unless I hear it from Eric's mouth, you do what I tell you to do, and you lose tonight." And Perry's like, "All right." So he walked out and he called Eric Bischoff and he was like, "Hey, Terry Taylor wants us to lose tonight." And Bischoff's like, "What?" And he goes. Yeah, he wants us to lose tonight. And he said, unless I hear it from your mouth, unless he hears it from your mouth, I just need to be a good citizen and do my good person and do my job or whatever. So, like, he basically walked his phone into Tony or Terry Taylor's bus, gave him the phone, and then Taylor hung up and he's like, well, all right. I guess you're not losing tonight. I guess you're not losing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> But I know it was a long story, and it's better when he tells it. But it's just like I think him going to the W, and then um, you know what got him in trouble there, don't you? Did you ever see that shit? The WWF. Yeah, Mm, I don't think so. I don't think I have actually. He worked with that Mike, that jobber guy, Mike Mike Bell. Remember? Oh him? yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, the yeah. The minute you said Mike Bell, then I remembered. Like it came back to me. Yeah, Bell, <laughs> like Bell dropped him on his head. So then Saturn fucking legitimately threw him to the outside of the ring, like threw him to the floor head first, and then just fucked him up the rest of the match. And like I've seen the match, and um. During the match, Terry Runnels is at ringside, and you can hear her going, Perry, stop it. <laughs> like, like, she's just like, stop it. It's enough, Perry. Perry, stop it. And he's just beating the shit out of that guy. And it was like, <laughs> after that, they gave him the mop, and that was like it for him. Perry, was stop like, hey, it. Man. man. She was like, Perry, stop it. It's like, <laughs> he, can't, he can't do that. But anyway, I just think he got that... <laughs> derailed him and then I don't know I knew for a while he was like homeless and all this other crazy shit but I, I don't think he is anymore but sounds like his life went fucking sideways but I've rambled too much about Perry Saturn sorry the next thing we see on the show is Mr. Hughes well it's supposed to be Mr. Hughes versus uh, Bubba Dudley and what happens here essentially is Mr. Hughes gets his heat because he beats up on Chubby Dudley and Sign Guy Dudley 
Then he lays out Bubba Dudley. But then Big Dick Dudley hits Mr. Hughes with a crutch. And then Bubba, <laughs> Bubba hits a funny-looking Bubba splash and pins um, Mr. Hughes. I love early Bubba Dudley. Like, like he just, he's like, because he is like, he's, I don't know, he's kind of egg shaped and he's got that big face and like everything he does is funny. Yeah. <laughs> it all looks awkward. Yes. On purpose. I get it. It's the gimmick. Yeah. It's, still, it's so fucking entertaining. Yeah, it is. And then the crazy part is that wasn't even his biggest. Like right. his biggest was right before he left. He was huge at that point. Huge. <laughs> I love it when he talks about He's like, when I got in the business, I told myself the one thing I won't let anybody do is shave my head. The two things I won't let anybody do is shave my head and call me Bubba. <laughs> he's like, and I got to Paul. Paul was like, we're going to shave your head and call you Bubba. He's like, <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. All right. Guess we're doing this. <laughs> and you know what? Almost 30 years later, I'm sure he doesn't regret that Shaved decision head. at all. Nope. Well, the last thing we see on this show is a segment where Joey Styles is going to do an interview with Put Upon Tommy Dreamer. Dreamer comes out in a sling, and like, there's nothing worse. I, I really, honest to God, like, there's nothing worse than the, the, the like high school acting chops of Tommy Dreamer when he's trying to act like dark Tommy Dreamer when he's feuding with Raven. Like it's like it's like community college or high school theater. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, I don't know. I totally I totally agree and um it made me get older to realize that Tommy wasn't that good. <laughs> and um the other problem too and I've said it a couple times is like in this feud, Tommy Dreamer is the bad guy. He didn't want anything to do with Beulah when they were at camp because she was a fat girl. But Raven hooked up with her and was friends with her. And then she comes back all of a sudden. She's hot now. And he's like, yeah, I want to get with that. And like he cheats. Like he helps her cheat. Like he impregnates her. It's like, huh. If this was, if you told somebody, if you read that story to somebody, that wasn't a wrestling fan, they'd be like, that poor Raven. I can't believe what happened to that guy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and and they totally foreshadowed the fucking Bruce Brothers turning by bringing out, oh, Tommy brought him in. and But whatever. And it, I mean, it's cool that the Bruce Brothers are with Raven, but it's just, I don't know. Yeah, essentially, really quick, what happens here is Tommy Dreamer comes out. Talks about how he's he hurt his arm during in a match with Raven. Um, Raven and his crew come out, and then Shane Douglas brings out the Bruise Brothers um, with him to be, you know, quote unquote, they're going to be Tommy's backup. But the Bruise Brothers turn on Tommy Dreamer, um, and then they proceed to beat him up and uh, crush his nuts on the ring post, and that's how we go off the air for this episode of ECW. I liked the episode. I did enjoy this episode of the show. It kept my attention. Um, the only negative was, was I really didn't even have a negative. Everything on the show flowed well, made sense. I, I popped a couple of times for a couple of things, and uh, I, I actually enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed it. And it, I think, I know we don't like to spoil things, but it's, what, 30 years ago? 
Mm-hmm. I think we're rolling into like what I think was a cool little thing they did with this feud that kind of injected Shane into it. I think this might be where Tommy made a deal with Shane where Shane would protect Beulah. Yeah, I and it, they, they, I think like, so because they, they even me, but you go ahead, they, sorry. They even no, I think you're right because if you noticed in this segment when the Bruise Brothers and Douglas came down and it looked like there was going to be a fight between Tommy and the Bruise Brothers and Raven and his crew, Tommy actually asked Shane Douglas to take Beulah from ringside. That's why he wasn't there to help Tommy when Tommy got attacked. I think he made a deal with him. Like, I think it was like, you know, you take care of Beulah and make sure she doesn't get hurt in this thing. And if I get that belt off of Raven, I'll give you a shot or some shit. We'll, we'll probably get there eventually. I'm putting the cart before the horse. But anyway, like you said, there wasn't really anything bad. There wasn't really anything that just, it was just kind of a show for me. And I, I didn't mind watching it and I wasn't mad after I was done watching it or anything like that. So it was just, it was a good meat and potatoes wrestling show. I agree. And that'll be a wrap for this week's edition of reliving the extreme. Unless you had anything else you wanted to say to our listeners. Aaron's shaking his head no, so we are going to sign nope. off for this week's edition of Reliving the Extreme. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with more ECW. I think it's uh, February 27th, 96 episode of the show. We're actually getting closer and closer to the time that I actually remember first seeing ECW on TV when I was a kid or a teenager, I guess. Um so we're getting closer and closer to that, but that doesn't matter. We'll get to that when we get to it. I will remember the scene when I see it. With that being said, we will see you next week, everybody. Have a great week. <laughs>